You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for series number three. It's been a long time since I jumped on to do a podcast, so apologies for that, but I'm back. Obviously, it's been a bit of a mad year, so I've been a bit lapsed with my podcast, but I do hope to get them out more frequently. Going forward, I'm going to try and release these weekly, where they're kind of like a TED talk where I can get something done within 20 minutes keep them short and sweet, covering a variety of topics when it comes down to training and nutrition. Today's podcast might be a little bit longer because I've got a guest on the show and I don't want to end up having like a lover's tiff or (laughs) we have a massive fallout during this podcast. But today I'm joined by my girlfriend, Claudia, aka Strong Claude. She doesn't want to do an introduction, so I'm going to save her the blushes. Um, I'm sure if you follow me on social media, you'll have seen me posting about her quite a bit. She 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 out deadlifts me pretty much. <laughs> well, she doesn't really, but she's getting there. She's getting there. And um, she's joining me today. And we're going to be speaking about all things dieting strategies. Claudia is currently doing an MMU certification in nutrition. She's learning some really cool shit. Something that I hope we can really go into today that's going to give you some takeaways because that's fundamentally what I want to give my listeners is something for you to go away and action take away have more tools on your tool belt because we know nutrition can be very can be quite complex you know a lot of my listeners I'd like to think know what to do now from some of the episodes that you've listened to but I always want to share with you more tools that we use with our clients and things that we've had real success with and I'm not just talking about someone losing 10 pounds. I'm talking about people losing 100 pounds, 80 pounds, 60 pounds, and actually learning how to live, getting the weight off them. They're still able to live their life that they want and be able to maintain the weight that they've lost through continuously applying some of the things that we're going to go over today. And I hope you can really, really benefit from it. So we're going to go into dieting strategies. We're going to be talking about tracking and non-tracking and the different approaches and things that you can take into consideration about what suits you when you want to do it and ultimately have all these things that you can basically use them at any time during your lifestyle pick and choose when to use them and ultimately you can make your dieting life much easier so we're going to kick this one off today and we're going to talk about tracking first so let's go into some forms of tracking first with this one, Claude, because I know there's a little bit of a misconception with tracking and people just think it's all about MyFitnessPal. Mm -hmm. But there's there's lots of different ways of tracking, isn't there, which I know that you're going to cover. But let's kick this one off by starting with when is actually tracking appropriate for an individual? So I think there's lots of things that we need to take into consideration when it comes to either choosing tracking or non-tracking. But with regards to tracking... I think it's definitely when there's a specific outcome that's required. So something that's a bit more time dependent. So say, for instance, you're getting married in 12 weeks time. That is going to be a very time dependent goal. You need to fit in your wedding dress in 12 weeks. So it's going to take a little bit more focus as opposed to someone who's more of a lifestyle 
kind of clients that we're dealing with, or if that's your goal and you're looking more long-term, a tracking method may not be suitable for you. So we work with a lot of people like that, don't we, where it's 12 weeks. They come in for a 12-week transformation as such, don't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think if someone has got a specific goal, then you need to really be a little bit more stricter with your approach just because you haven't got much time to piss about really have you if you are coming in and they like said like claude said there's a wedding then we as a trainer you know we do have an obligation to help them get there so in many cases tracking is going to be what we use because we haven't got time to really like play with lots of different variables and strategies like we're going to go into today we need to kind of go straight in at the deep end with that individual to make sure that the ultimately happy with the result that they get Mm, yeah and then also if you're a person who actually wants to try and track so this could be like an educational thing for you you want to learn about macros you want to learn about calories what's in what food that you currently eat every single day It's, it's sometimes we don't have a clue and it could be something that you are actually keen to do whereas if it was from our perspective as trainers and we were trying to make someone track who really didn't want to and that they couldn't think of anything worse, then that would obviously not be an appropriate method. So if you actually want to do it, you're really interested in finding out the different methods that we'll go into. You know, it's not all like David said before, it's not all my fitness pal. There's other ways that might be easier for you. But yes, again, if you actually if you want, if to, you want yeah. to, yeah. And and this happens with a lot of people, different personality types, isn't there? You've got someone that's quite numbers driven who likes to geek out on Excel those individuals quite like being given specific numbers to try and hit. And it's like a little bit of a game to them. And there's other people who couldn't think of anything worse than to giving them numbers or things to track. They're they're very stressed within life. And sometimes, you know, we don't want to add more stress to those individuals' life and give them stuff to think about even more. If their life's crazy enough as it is, then it can be quite problematic giving those individuals more kind of strict tracking as such. Now, as I said about tracking before, and you just mentioned it again there, Claude, people think that tracking is purely numbers and my fitness pal, don't they? Yeah. They don't really take into consideration that there's many forms of tracking and it, and it all comes down to picking the which one for you, which suits you best. And the analogy that I quite like to use here is thinking about like a ladder And if we look at like the top of the ladder, we have like the highest kind of most strictest way of tracking. And then as we go down the ladder, we have more kind of entry points of tracking. Do you want to just go over them for us? Yeah, definitely. So with as we go through these, like it is the ladder, the more the commitment that is required for each process. So if we start off with the very basic, so the easiest point of of, of tracking that you can start with is just purely a continuous food record. So you're just doing like a back-to-back food diary of everything that you're consuming so that you kind of have the control, you know, and exactly what you're eating and monitoring it that way, really. Then going into more portion control would be the next step. So this a lot of people wouldn't even think it's tracking like really a long time ago i wouldn't have even considered yeah. it as a tracking method but because you are technically monitoring what's going on your plate you're controlling your portion that you are technically tracking your food so that would be where you're looking at the palm size portion of protein the fist size portion of carbohydrates fat size portion of 
thumb. Thumb, yeah, yeah. It's like the precision <laughs> nutrition. The precision nutrition guide kind of has a lot of that with portion control, which is it's just quite good. You know, I've I've used it with clients before. Just it takes the thinking away for individuals. When we just spoke about before, somebody can't think of anything worse than actually tracking away in the food or putting it in a, and tracking type of app calorie app they just want to be told the amount in the most simple way possible so the precision nutrition is quite good for that isn't it like palm serving the protein don't get me wrong there's there's pros and cons of all, all these yeah. things it's just takes the guesswork away and when we do kind of give somebody this type of way of tracking ultimately they will probably reduce the calories anyway whilst just doing a very simple thing what else we got on here so then i think the next one would be so the one with a bit more commitment required would be just tracking protein only so this is where you literally just track protein nothing else you kind of eating whatever you want in terms of carbs and fats, but you're just monitoring protein, making sure you're hitting a sufficient amount. So this would be very useful if, you know, you are trying to gain muscle, for instance, and protein is a very important part of that. So, but if you don't want to go full macro split and that just doesn't fit into your lifestyle, you could start with just tracking protein only, but it is useful for fat loss as well. Massively. Protein is so important for satiety reasons when it comes to fat loss. So again, that could be another form of tracking for, for that yeah i've so, used i've used that one a lot with clients um as the kind of the first hammer really where i will just go in and just by changing somebody's protein and giving them more protein as a byproduct they like you said with the satiety they consume less calories because they're more satiated yeah and once i fill them up with more protein they actually come back to me and go wow, I feel really, I feel really full. I didn't realize I could, I didn't realize for a start how little protein I was potentially having, but I didn't realize the kind of knock-on effects that this does have. And I basically do use that for a lot of people and just change that and don't change anything else. And kind of like as a byproduct, let good shit happen. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good one. If you're not kind of wanting to go full macro, but that does take us to the next one, which would be a full macro split. So it would be tracking protein, carbs and fats. So if you did want a bit of a fa uh, flexibility, so if you have high carb days, low carb days or anything like that, and you needed to track all three, then that's an option as well. But like I say, greater commitment required as we've gone through them there. So it's whatever fits into your lifestyle, what you have time for and whatever you would actually like to try, what would be suitable really. Yeah, another good analogy with this stuff, I think, is um, think of it like a bowling alley and a bowling lane. Like, you know, when you go bowling mm. and you've got the sides up at bowling, you you have the, you have the sides <laughs> up at bowling, so you should know about this. I don't know this. how anyone can't. <laughs> right, um, so it, when you go bowling, think about it. If you don't have the sides up, you've got to continuously roll it down the, the bowling ball without going down the side. So you've not got much room to play with there and you've got to continuously hopefully get a strike each time. I like to think of macros, full macros like that. So if somebody tries to take on full macros, but they're not quite ready to bowl in that alley without the sides up, they're going to struggle. Uh, as opposed to having the sides up just gives you a little bit more safety, comfort, so you can ultimately beat me at bowling or at least get close <laughs> to me at bowling. But that's quite a good way to think about that's it. Very good if, if, do you like that analogy? It's good, that one. <laughs> so think of it like that and, and the, the ladder scenario like we spoke about. So when it comes down to 
tracking as such, like we've just gone over, when can people use what method? So if you were wanting, what I'd say, if you were wanting to calorie track every day, then I think this would only be important if, if it's, as we spoke about, a time-dependent goal where you don't have that room for manoeuvre. Um, you have to get to that certain point in the time frame you've got. So I would say you have to be more on it every day, really. If you've got a really time-dependent yeah. goal, for yeah. sure. Yeah, to summarise that. Definitely. And then obviously, if you've got uh, calorie tracking on specific days, that would if you just be you want a bit more flexibility. So say you track five days a week because you want a bit more flexibility at the weekend. You like going out for a drink, but it does then require that tracking from Monday to Friday so that, you know, if your goal is fat loss, for instance, you know, you're overall going to be in a deficit by pulling your weekly calories down. You know exactly what you've hit Monday to Friday gives you that flexibility at the weekend. So that would be an example of calorie tracking. So that's quite a common approach that we use, isn't it? It's mm, kind of like um, a modified 5-2 type of approach with individuals. For those that do like a drink at the weekend or a wine at the weekend, we will basically have five days where we basically offset a decent amount of a deficit for them to allow them, say, at the weekend, they can eat at maintenance or even in a slight surplus of yeah. calories just because we've done the job over five days, which can ultimately reduce their weekly deficit for that individual and still lose weight on that type of approach. It's pretty, it's quite a common one, isn't it, that we use? Yep, yeah. Now, this is probably my favourite non-tracking, non-tracking methods. Um, we'll go over these, but when are these non-tracking methods appropriate, Claude? So I'd say most of the time. So... We all kind of think that we need something super advanced and super sort of where you know just too too much too 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 much in detail. Sorry, I couldn't get my words <laughs> out. She's a she's a beginner. She's she's new to this. He's putting the pressure on me. I'm just staring at her as, as she's as we're going through this. I'm just like, don't fuck up my podcast. Don't you dare. So yeah, so most of the time. So especially if your goal isn't time dependent. So as we, we mentioned a little bit before, if you're kind of looking at it from a more lifestyle perspective, looking at the longevity of changing habits, just changing everything rather than you're not going to be as focused and day to day, it's not going to be as super important that you hit those markers as it would be if it was more of a time dependent goal. So as well, though, if like a lot of people, uh, because of constantly trying to diet, all the crazy diets that people have tried in their life, a lot of people then end up with a bit of a poor relationship with food. We kind of don't, we, we, jet, we classify food as good and bad. We feel guilty over, over certain foods. And I think in that perspective, maybe tracking sometimes isn't the best and a more of a non-tracking method would be more appropriate. So that is a lot of people do think like that towards food, especially lots of people we deal with yeah. where they have mega guilt or where they'll, they won't want to tell you if they've had some chocolate or alcohol at the weekend when really that's part of life and that is part of how we then incorporate these non-tracking methods so that, that that should never happen. I've pulled a lot of people away from actually tracking Yeah. when I've met them. And and, and the weird thing is with, with this is when I say pulled them away from tracking, there was tracking and they still wasn't achieving the results. So it wasn't until they felt like they still had to continuously track for even though they wasn't getting the results that they wanted. And it wasn't until I went in with a different approach and kind of told them, you know, you need to let 
MyFitnessPal go. Let it go. Stop looking at it. Yeah. Start learning how to eat. Start listening to your own internal hunger cues and stop looking at my fitness pal at 8 p.m. at night and listening to it that he tells you you've got 200 calories to eat, but you're not hungry. Like these approaches, the non-tracking approaches are really good for getting people into a deficit without them overthinking the process, aren't they? Yeah. And obviously a lot of people do have poor nutritional habits and the low level of nutritional knowledge in the first place. So using these things are, are absolutely amazing. And the probably the most important one with this non-tracking method is when you don't believe somebody can effortlessly maintain their body weight. And the clients that we've been dealing with who have been using these skills are able to maintain the weight loss, haven't they, by yeah. actually using these skills. We've had periods where we have tracked with them, of course, but then we've, we've, this is the, this is the thing about dieting. It's like a multifaceted approach, isn't it? We want to be able to be like a chameleon with this stuff and be able to adapt to different situations. And yeah, one week we might track two weeks we might track, and then we're going to come into a non-tracking approach. And then we're going to basically go up and down that ladder I spoke about before. We, this is a constant process of picking what works for you and understanding that you can use any of these can't you yeah yeah because obviously a lot of people uh yo-yo dieters the people who you see lose lose a loads of weight and then they've piled it back on again and more you know the next time you see them so these kind of methods are what then may be most appropriate in in their lifestyles really giving people the flexibility to change when they want and when to use them is one of the biggest biggest things that i've seen with with the people that i've worked with by applying some of these things so let's go into some of the non-tracking methods for for weight loss yeah so you might have all kind of either heard of these or just either they might be brand new to you but it, once we go over these it might just give you a few ideas and what maybe sounds good for you and what you might like want to try really so all of these methods are going to be eating with pleasure so meaning that you you take one of these approaches, but then you're eating whatever you want with one of these in place, if that makes sense. It will do in a, in a second when I go into them. So I'd say the first one, which I use a lot and you do as well, don't you, with a lot of clients would be um, an intermittent fasting eating window. So what this means is you will kind of give yourself eight hours of the day, again, looking at your lifestyle and where fits best. So literally where you would start at say 12 p.m. and that is where you have your first meal you've then fasted all morning and then your cutoff could then be 8 p.m doesn't have to be then but this could be suitable say for instance if you don't like eating breakfast you know you're not hungry first thing in the morning but you think oh I have to eat breakfast it's the most important meal of the day when it actually isn't and from a calorie perspective and a weight loss perspective actually cutting out that breakfast and skipping it completely and having your first meal at 12 you've already then fasted for six six hours maybe depending on how early you have your breakfast and cut that those calories out already having your first meal at 12 you then might eat again at two slash three o'clock and then your cutoff is 8 p.m so then already your day is shorter and you don't have a massive eating window so i think they work really well don't they with yeah with ours. they're they're really really good strategies and without putting a name on it because i've spoke about this quite a lot with you know, I want you listeners to understand the principles to be behind nutrition and not the methods. And these are methods. They're not, we're not saying this is what you have to do. And I don't even like putting a name on it, like intermittent fasting, for example. It's just time-restricted feeding pretty much, isn't it? It's yeah. just a windowed eating. Like 
a lot of individuals that I meet have such sporadic, massive windows of nutrition, especially when we're looking to the food diary of an individual, they'll from 7 a.m. up until 9 p.m., they have that eating window. So, so for me, I'm like, okay, I want to reduce this person's calories. This person doesn't want to track. This person actually needs to come away from like strict tracking. I'm going to ask this individual, do you enjoy breakfast? Yes or no, or at least find out through the consultation where they say, don't even enjoy breakfast. You know, the kids are up in the morning. I'm rushed. I'm getting them to school. I don't actually enjoy breakfast, but obviously in the food diary, they're having breakfast. Then I will just say, why don't we just condense your eating windows and, and kind of do it that way? And as a byproduct, the calories come down, they start to lose weight and the, the people are thinking, what the hell's going on? Like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm losing weight without actually thinking about it, really. Yeah. And if, you, if you're a person who tends to snack a lot throughout the day as well, we, we tend to not actually be as hungry in the morning, but as soon as we eat, I find that triggers hunger even more. So you're more likely after breakfast to then maybe have something again at 10 and then something again at 12, whereas just taking it away is just going to try and cut that out, really. Yeah, most people eat most of the calories later in the day anyway, yeah. don't they, if they're yeah. so busy at work? Like for us, I use us as an example. I'm busy on my feet. I'm super active and we obviously know activity has a correlation with the, with appetite as well. I'll be doing five, six sessions on my feet and I'm not hungry whatsoever. Obviously getting through the day, having a few coffees, a few coffees. A few, just a few coffees. <laughs> and then obviously appetite is present as well. So yeah. enjoy your coffee. Um, <laughs> Unless that, it's a gingerbread latte. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't get why people <laughs> even have them that's a yeah well gingerbread lattes are out now aren't they i, I just don't anyway it's a different um, podcast in itself <laughs> the gingerbread latte podcast coming soon um condensing that and putting people's food later in the day i give people a ton of their food volume later in the evening so when they go home they have an actual massive meal and they're turning around to me saying how do you expect me to eat all this obviously because we can maybe touch upon food volume in a bit i have spoke about that a lot on past podcasts and the importance of food volume with low calorie density is vital isn't it keeping satiety up for most individuals but i condense most people's foods later in the day and yeah. i find it works brilliantly well that's that i guess goes on to another method where it's carbohydrate bunching so if you are one of those people who loves to eat in the evening say when you're sticking a film on netflix you love having something to eat but if you've kind of been eating all day you're trying to watch what you eat you don't really feel like you've got that room for maneuver whereas if you've kind of fasted all day or not not fasted you've removed carbohydrates from all your meals in the day you'll have naturally re reduced your overall daily calories and then stick them all in that evening meal so like David just said, you're going to have a really big meal in the evening and it's going to be enjoyable. And, you know, you're not going to feel like you're dieting at all in that in that perspective. No. Or you could do it another way where you pop them around your training. So if you feel a bit depleted after your training session, uh, you feel like your appetite's through the roof after you've trained, that could be a good idea to put the carbohydrates around your training window. And then for the rest of the day and your other meals you have, you remove carbohydrates. So it's just an easy, an easy way of reducing there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates it's just naturally reducing your overall calorie intake because they tend to be something we we overeat really definitely they're two that we combine a lot isn't mm -hmm. aren't they the window eating and the carbohydrate bunching yeah where like claudia said if i'm giving someone some starch and fruit 
I will put them in their evening meal. So I'll give them all their sweet potato or white rice or brown rice or whatever it is in their last meal, along with all their fruit in the last meal with, they might have it before bed with some Greek yogurt and have like a, a dessert or something. Yeah. But because I'm giving them that much food volume, it really does help with that picking at things in the evening and just having things that I'm just not very good on return and investment from a calorie standpoint, a satiety standpoint, and obviously a weight loss standpoint as well. It's a, then, then especially probably my favorite, I reckon. Yeah. I think and the easiest to probably apply to your lifestyle as well. These other two are a little bit harder, I would say. So I'd, I haven't tried these with any clients as of yet, just because they do seem like they'd be more difficult. But again, if you just find dieting impossible and you just think this might be the easiest method to do for you, you know, it could work. So this first one would be an alternate day fast. So meaning you would eat whatever you want for a day. The next day you don't eat anything at all. Obviously you can still drink water and survive. But People are freak out about that though. But even there's a lot of the research on fasting that doesn't yeah. support some of the people's kind of, issues with fasting it's even there's people who have even fasted up to 72 hours and there's no effect on protein synthesis in terms of building muscle which is mental so these will be good if you have a lot of weight to lose so because if you think about it you're you'll have your maintenance calories so your bmr whatever you burn naturally at rest so if you remove a whole day of uh, energy in that you're going to be making just a huge dent in your overall weekly your weekly deficit by not eating anything. Don't have to think about it. You just know every other day you don't eat a thing. Yeah. So it would be hard. But so another, if that would be too hard, we do have one where it's eat, stop, eat, meaning you eat whatever you want for six days a week. I have to think of how many, how many days we're in a week. <laughs> and then on one day, one just one day of the week you then fast so again it's like a one day diet think of that like a one day diet and there's a lot of other stuff um where i've seen from individuals do like a two-day diet so they'll basically have two fasting days within the week and again we're not saying this is ideal for somebody who's coming off a bloody eating disorder or anything like that bear in mind we're saying this is for weight loss for individuals that don't have any any kind of issues around food can you still want to lose weight without the tracking side? You're going to have to do something. And this is uh, an approach like there's many. And with the alternate day fast, like Claude spoke about that, I have actually run this with clients, but not had a full day of fast. So I basically had uh, a low calorie day, a super low calorie day, a maintenance day, yeah. a super low calorie day, a maintenance day, and kind of done it like that for individuals and seen really great success. And funnily enough, on the days that they wasn't eating a lot, so the very low calorie day, they wasn't as hungry. And I think when you, when you know it's only going to be for a day, psychologically, you'll be able to persevere with it. Whereas sometimes when you're thinking of dieting for longer periods of time, it can be a bit sort of yeah, demotivating. You, just, you, you give up. Whereas if you know, right, I've got a day to, to diet and not eat anything. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you can offset a decent chunk of a deficit. Obviously, we're going to go into more podcasts about like fat loss and the calories and and what elicits like one pound of fat and how many calories are in one pound of fat. Claude did a great post on the socials not long ago about that. So definitely go and check that out. But we'll definitely do more on that type of stuff as well. What else we got? There's another one that I quite like. It's the carbon fat separation. 
this is very good for people who eat out quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Because obviously when we eat out, it's always extremely delicious. So you would never know what that chef's been putting in the meal to make it so tasty. Obviously, there's going to be lots of fat and flavor. And when, especially when we have carbs and fats together, that tends to be the best meal you know, a pizza is an example of that. It's everything together. So if you are always going out to restaurants and you have business lunches all the time, if you kind of look at a low carb, high fat option or a low fat, high carb option, you are naturally going to be slightly reducing. Again, it's not going to make a huge difference because like I say, the chef is going to be still putting plenty of calories in there probably unless they have the calories on the menu. So this would be good if you if they don't. So an example of a low carb, high fat meal would be say for instance, steak and salad. Or a low fat, high carb would be uh, chicken tomato pasta. So each one of them, so you've either got the carbs removed or the fats removed, you're not having them both together because that is then gonna drive the calories of that meal really, really high. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I don't even I can't remember where I've seen this, but it was there was um, a research on like the hedonic and thinking about your brain and how we're very poor at estimating foods with high fat, but we're very good with it with um, high carbs. Yeah. I, think, I think I've seen that somewhere. Anyway, don't bank on that one. But it's kind of thinking about when when we do thinking of it this way puts that into perspective a little bit better. So if you think of like a pizza, for example, and we're not saying don't eat pizza, mm. but you know that's going to contain fat, it's going to contain carbs and, and you you're going to have protein. You're going to have all the macronutrients in that. So the likelihood is it's more caloric than if you was to, for instance, like Claude said, the low carb, high fat option or the low fat, high carb option. It's just kind of thinking of it from a calorie perspective if you do go out for food the different options that you can play around with to make life easier and make sure that you're in your calories and as you'll notice from these you can use all these together so if you are starting a window eating you started putting doing some carb bunching and then you want to do the carbon fat separation if you go out for a meal like you can use all these non-tracking methods and really make use of them all can't you and i think definitely if you do have a big weight loss goal just picking one of those methods probably isn't going to be enough to get you to where you need to be, especially, you know, you have to look at the, the big, the big windows and the, the way you will make the biggest dent into your overall calorie intake and across the week. So if just the one changing low carb, high fat, you know, that's yeah, not that one, make... especially, I don't think yeah. is, I wouldn't drill that home as the best changer. one a game changer yeah i drill that home as someone who has a lot of socials and they don't know what to kind of eat on the menu and like you said the chefs don't give a shit about your your waistline <laughs> <laughs> but i think as well you could look at different different things like your setup at home very very basic these i think go even more basic now yeah more spontaneous calorie reduction yeah so if you go home and there's your cupboards are filled with biscuits and chocolate and crisps and so it's you're more likely to crave those foods because you know they're there. Yeah. I know I would. Yeah, you would for sure. <laughs> Changing your food environments. I think that's a massive one. Just on that point, if you put friction between you and that highly caloric food, the likelihood is you won't do it. So for instance, if you don't have that food in but you have to go to the shop to get it, you won't do it. 
unless you're me, and I will go downstairs and get my line back because it's not that far, is it? For, no, no. I'm literally, it's, it's two seconds. So I, I actually would do that. Plus line bars are good. So yeah, ignore that point, actually. <laughs> what am I even making that far? No, but no, truth be told, if you haven't got anywhere nearby where you, you, know, you can easily access this food, then putting some friction and a barrier in between yourself and that does help, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's also other things you can do like, very basic food swaps. So you can look at what you usually go to on a day-to-day -day basis. So say for instance, you always opt for Tesco meal deal where it's a chicken wrap, packet of crisps, bottle of Coke, and what else comes in a meal deal? I don't know. <laughs> uh, remember Boots meal deals? Yeah. Remember, do they still even exist? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? Because one of my clients has <laughs> um, So anyway, you could then look at the, obviously the total calories of all of that actually really add up, even though the food volume of it isn't that much and probably would still be hungry after yeah. eating all of it really. So you could look at swapping the, the bag of crisps for some popcorn. I know they do like the, the 90 calorie bags of popcorn now. Your fizzy drink, if it's a full fat Coke, you could literally just swap it for a Diet Coke. You've, they've took out 100, 200 calories, if not Easy. more. Or you get an orange juice, you, you change to a diet, you just completely have zero calories adding to that. Or if you have a 5% fat Greek yogurt, change it to a 0%. They seem very basic, but if you do that over all of your meals, that is going to be a really big indentation and a, a big calorie reduction by just having something that's still of the same tr trade-off. Trade-off, like, yeah, 100%. You, don't, you want it to be a good trade-off. Yeah, because imagine if I said to you, especially you, <laughs> like you love your kids, don't you? Yeah. So I said to you, right, I want you to swap this Yorkie for... Celery. <laughs> a stick of celery. You'd tell me to fuck off, <laughs> wouldn't you? But, yeah. the, but that's important to understand with, 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 with food swaps. But they are very useful. Yeah. And again, are they going to be something that I go to with somebody that's got a lot of weight to lose? And then maybe not. I will give them the skills so they could do it. A lot of my clients now have the skills of these food swaps. And I like to think they've got like an encyclopedia of different approaches now. Yeah. Basically Combine what we spoke about them. today. I like to think if my clients sat an exam now, they'd be able to understand these things and apply them. You don't hope so. I don't so anyway. So if you're listening, get your revision on. <laughs> I like to think that they they know them, but they're very good. I, I have actually had clients a person in a guy in Australia that used to just drink five cans of Sprite. Well, I think it was eight. I think Is it eight? Said. Yeah, I remember. It was Charlie, wasn't it? If you're listening, Charlie, I miss you. <laughs> It was Charlie from <laughs> Australia. I don't know if it was, it might have been Sprite. Anyway, it was a diet. It was a drink that I don't even think was that good. I was a bit like, what? It's like having a Tizer <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. That's shit, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, and I just basically changed that for him. That was it. Yeah, you, oh, you said you, you could Oh, diet. I went diet. No, oh. I swapped for the diet. And I said, could you do that? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Mm. Sweet. Started dropping. And then, and then I started obviously pulling it down because I don't want to someone having like eight cans of diet drink yeah. really just because you were pissing all night buzzing. and you piss all night oh <laughs> yeah buzzing so yeah they, just, they, they can be very useful as a, a strategy as well but I like to think these ones are more of a skill yeah. that you just add alongside everything everything else really 
Have we got anything else that you want to cover on this one, Claude? I guess just before we wrap it up, it would just be other other tactics like reducing food variety would is is quite important actually when when it comes to fat loss and looking at if you've got loads of if you have say sixty different to say that's a lot. Yeah, no, no, it makes sense. Like giving too much, too, too much many options. Yes, so give someone an inch to take a mile, like less is definitely better with food variety i think and we do tend to gravitate towards eating the same things often yeah, don't we, we anyway have like our own staple diet that people don't realize that they do but you will kind of naturally make the similar choices 100%. so the more the limiting food variety that you could have that the studies show the more likely you are to adhere to to any kind of diets that you are on really and then just the obvious things like reducing your sugar intake through say if you stick loads of tomato sauce on your plate uh all things like that very very basic also condiments one which, yeah, all condiments and stuff one like which that. i found quite interesting if you're one for eating your tea at the table uh, in front of your tv rather than eating at your table so i've, I've kind of always never really thought about that but that has as proven to research eat. mindless eating type yeah, thing it's like when you really, go to the cinema yeah you're not really acknowledging anything you're eating because you're focused on what's on tv or even if you're scrolling your phone that's probably more relatable these days where people are eating the tea scrolling the phone next minute the, the tea's done and they're still hungry because the body's not yeah. yet yeah they just acknowledged not... it really yeah what, what they've just had yeah massive using smaller plates little these are little things again it's we've kind of gone from like powerful to not as powerful, but still important. Um, and, and kind of little kind of strategies that you can use. Think of it as like the low hanging fruit. Liquid calories are not going to be your best friend on a fat loss diet. It's just waste of calories. Like we yeah. just said before, the gingerbread lattes, like fucking hell, like talk yeah, about yeah, wasting your calories. Especially them, you'd have a thousand calories. Yeah, exactly. And I've, I've, I've had some clients that I've, I've, who, were, who were really small in height, small individuals and light individuals. I'm like, that's pretty much half your daily intake having a shitty gingerbread latte. Is that actually <laughs> worth, worth it? It's Obviously, alcohol consumption, reducing that. Like, again, that sounds obvious, but it, it, it all comes down to calories. Mm. Um, and going back to the kind of whole food palatability less kind of palatable foods is quite a good option isn't it if yeah. you think about croissants are the highest palatable food and then we go all the way to the other end of like potatoes are the least palatable food mm -hmm. even and, and i don't get it you've seen some stupid magazines like avoid white potato it's the most palatable food going so if you are thinking about feeling full i guess that's why brands like Weight Watchers, Slimming World, they do actually encourage you to eat as much potatoes as you want. Only because you probably, there's only so many potatoes you, unless they're drenched in oil. Yeah, we'll put them, make them into chips <laughs> and call them sins and all that shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going about them. Yeah, we won't go into a rant about um, them. But thinking of thinking of these things, in, encouraging like high volume foods, we spoke about like the volumetrics of food. So just as a quick example for we wrap this one up, like foods like strawberries, they carry a tremendous amount of like food volume for low calories compared to other fruits like bananas and stuff. And you've got the fiber content in strawberries. So basically for like one banana, you can have how many grams of it in strawberries? It's ridiculous, it's isn't it? For the same amount of calories. Two to four hundred. It's, it's a lot. crazy. It's, a lot. it's it's ridiculous. So little things like that are, are all very good for low hanging fruit. And uh, I think hopefully you've got a lot from that today. I think Claude did 
did a good job. She's uh, I don't know if she's, I'll be invited back again. She's she's stopped shitting herself now. I think she's she's happy with finished. She's happy. With, she's happy we finished that. I hope you enjoyed it. It's it's really good to be back and um, get a pen and paper out and re-listen to this and jot everything down that we said. Any questions on this stuff, let us know. And I hope to see you soon for the next episode of the Fat Fix podcast. Take care.